There are two dilemmas that rattle the human skull. How do you hold on to someone who won't stay? And how do you get rid of someone who won't go? From Pod 617 Productions, it's Shine On, a presentation of Berkman, Botker, Newman, and Shine. Now here's your host, attorney Evan Shine. Episode number 17 of the Shine On podcast. I'm Evan Shine. Producer Dave is with us on the other side of the mic. On today's episode, I'm joined by divorce coach, leading divorce recovery specialist, and founder of the divorce rehab, Wendy Sterling. What do you absolutely need to know about life after divorce? How can you effectively co-parent in a high-conflict relationship after your divorce is finalized? How can you put aside any lingering anger with your ex and focus on your children and yourself? Does even the thought of dating again make you uncomfortable? If you think you can navigate the post-divorce world without a playbook, think again. We are going to get the answers to these questions that you need to have in order to navigate the complex world of post-divorce life, as well as find out the lessons that our featured guest, Wendy Sterling, learned from her own divorce and how she uses that experience to help others. Coming up on the other side of the docket is my interview with our featured guest this week on episode number 17 of the Shine Up podcast, Wendy Sterling. This is an interview that you will not want to miss. All right, Evan, I have the docket machine primed and ready to go. Should we do it? David, let's do it. All right. And now, let's see what's on the docket. Well, the item from the docket for today has to do with something that probably most people have heard, unless you've been trapped under something heavy recently. You've probably heard about the split of Bill and Melinda Gates. And Slate.com reports that it is quite a shock. And then it goes on to explain a little bit why the couple will divorce after 27 years of marriage. As the article reads, this wasn't supposed to happen. Bill and Melinda seemed like Al or Tipper Gore or Tim Robbins and Susan Sarandon or any other couple who seemed so ingrained in the culture that you might not even actually remember them splitting up. That's the kind of the twisted logic that this uh, article goes on. But your thoughts on this um, most high profile of divorces. And Dave, look, the divorce world has been rocked with the news that Bill and Melinda Gates have separated and they're getting a divorce. And there's so much to unpack. And look, you said it. Unless you've been living under a rock, how do you miss that Bill and Melinda are getting divorced? Look, there's a different story that comes out each day. One of the latest is that Melinda was consulting with divorce attorneys two years ago. They issued a joint statement. Look, there's likely to be so much more that comes out about their divorce each and every day. And one of the things I want to talk about when it comes to Bill and Melinda's divorce is the gray divorce. That's a divorce for couples over 50 years old. And with the news of the Gates divorce hitting and the joint statement that was issued, look, people have been speculating on the reasons why the Gates are getting divorced. What's the impact of their divorce on their work, their missions? You know, really, what are the financial implications? When it comes to gray divorce, look, there's been a lot of articles that talk about the uptick in gray divorce. And we've talked about before in the Shine On podcast, the increase in divorce rates, the trends. One of the things that I think we're going to start to talk about and start to see come out 
anytime Bill and Melinda's divorce is mentioned is, you know, what are the reasons that older couples may decide to part ways at this stage in their life? And I'll tell you what, this, you know, this is something that for me is not new. As a divorce attorney, I've seen this trend for the past few years, and I expect that it's only going to increase post-COVID as well as estate planning for couples over 50. Mm. And is that just because everyone's on their different timetable? You know, you hear some people, some marriages just were kind of never meant to be. Others, the the couple seems to want to stick around together until after the kids are grown. But the gray divorce is just kind of like you're looking ahead at your own mortality, maybe, and just kind of realizing I better make a decision now or never. Yeah, Dave, I got to tell you, that's that spot on it. You know, look, you know, a lot of people say you want to stay together for the kids or, you know, people, you know, choose different paths or their interests, you know, change or people grow apart. I'm not sure I buy that people just grow apart. What I think, and you're starting to see it, people are living longer. People want more out of life and people are making the conscious decision to say, you know what, for my next 50 years, who do I want to spend it with? What do I want to do? What do I want my journey to be? And I think people are making the conscious decision to say, you know what, I want something different at this point in my life. Yeah. Being, being 60 with, with, you know, technology and medicine and everything, being 60 mean it used to mean your life's almost over. And now it means you might have 20 more vibrant years left. Right. So, yeah. And I think that's exactly right. And I think people are looking at that exactly what you just said and, and, and asking themselves, how do I want to spend the next 20, 30, 40, 50 years? Our featured guest this week on the Shine Up podcast is leading divorce recovery specialist, Wendy Sterling. Wendy is a divorce coach, life transition specialist, and the founder of the Divorce Rehab. She helps newly divorced men and women who are having trouble moving forward to find confidence, self-worth, and freedom. Wendy is a speaker, certified life coach, and the host of the absolutely terrific The Divorced Women's Guide podcast. Wendy has been featured on several media outlets, NBC, Thrive Global, Medium, Hello Divorce, Divorce Girl Smiling, and Moms Moving On. Wendy, thank you for joining us. I appreciate the time. How are you? I'm great, Evan. Thank you so much for inviting me. I'm so happy to be here today. Wendy, absolutely, of course. And there's so much I want to discuss with you, your own divorce experience, the divorce process, and navigating post-divorce life. And I want to start by talking to you about your own divorce and experience, which you've been open and transparent about and the lessons that you learned. And when you look back at your own journey, the ups, the downs, the roller coaster, that is the divorce process. How has that inspired you to help others and also put you in the unique position of having walked and lived in your client's shoes? Yeah, you know, Evan, it's so important for people to understand that it is a roller coaster and everybody's journey is very different. It it looks different. The thing that 
unites us all is the emotions that come up. They just may come up at different times for many of us. I know that I, I found my divorce to be the most empowering experience that I went through to be able to really find my identity and to know what my voice sounded like again, because I, I felt stuck in a marriage and in an identity that was framed by my ex and by the expectations of others and what my divorce really gifted me with was the opportunity to dream of a life that I could create that was from my authentic self. And so about, gosh, it'll be almost five years ago, you know, I'll never forget that, that night where I realized that my marriage was indeed over. And before that we had been, you know, things had been kind of rocky and we had been in couples therapy. And during that process, I, I was fighting for something that I still wasn't hundred percent sure that I truly wanted. And it wasn't until that night that I realized my marriage was over, that it was kind of that wake up call. I, t- I tend to be the person that needs the, you know, the whack of the two by four over the head for me to really start waking up. Sure. And to be honest, it was really just me remembering to pay attention to my gut you know, it's something that I I used to be really good at. And I think it's something that I just completely lost touch with. And so through my own self-discovery process while I was separated and then ultimately got the courage to ask for a divorce, I was finally really able to stand on my own two feet and to look in the mirror and admit that I didn't know who was staring back at me. I knew who I was as mom. I knew who I was as wife. I knew who I was as corporate executive, daughter, uh, sister, but when it came to looking at who Wendy was, I, I had no idea without the reflection from my ex-husband. And so it was really a journey that I began about four years ago that enabled me to truly realize that my divorce was a gift. And it was a gift that not only enabled me to start on my path of self-discovery, but it also enabled me to live out a dream that I never saw possible. And I was able to envision that thanks to my life coach. I had been in therapy, but I wasn't moving forward. I discovered the world of coaching through a friend who introduced me to it. And it wasn't until I enrolled in, not only enrolled in becoming certified as a coach, but also in hiring my own that I realized that there was so much power in creating a vision for yourself, a vision for your future, and really starting to believe that it's possible that if you break it down into baby steps, you can truly make anything, any dream, any vision that you have for yourself, no matter your age, no matter your status, um, anything is, is truly possible. And so it was after my own transformation that I realized that this was something, my divorce was happening for me and that I was meant for something bigger. And so I decided to not only file for divorce, but I also decided to leave corporate America and that cushy six figure paycheck and to start my own business and to invite men and women into the same five-step program that I created for my own recovery process that I now help countless, you know, hundreds of thousands of people to get through to the other side and to see that really when, when you have the right person guiding you, that anything is possible. And Wendy, you mentioned the words gift you mentioned the words empowering. You mentioned the words opportunity to describe what you learned and what divorce meant to you. And you also mentioned wake up call because, and I would guess, and I want to ask you, 
it takes time to realize that divorce can be a gift, that it can be an empowering experience, that it can be an opportunity because there's so much emotion that people are going through when you're making the decision, should I stay or should I leave? Yeah, you know, and it's not an easy decision to make. And I don't want anyone listening to think that it was like an overnight decision. You know, I was married for 15 years. We had two, still have two amazing, beautiful boys that are, you know, today they're now almost 15 and 11 and a half at the time they were seven and 10. And, you know, there's so much that goes into the decision-making process. And it really was within that first year where I had to decide to choose for myself instead of choosing uh, for what was in the best interest or what I thought was in the best interest of my children. So many times, and, and I was guilty of it. I mean, I, I was going to stay and fight for the sake of my kids. I didn't want my kids growing up with divorced parents. My parents are still married. My now ex-husband's parents are still married. Sure. Divorce is not something any of us plan for when we get married. And it really was a, a very thought through journey, but one that I didn't do by myself. That's the key point. And one of the things that I hope that those people that are listening are really paying attention to, and that is when you try to do it by yourself or the term I use is when you lone wolf, you are going to, your path is just going to take that much longer. And, and I'm telling you, I am control type, type A personality. And I was like, <laughs> I'm going to figure this out. I'm going to read the books. I'm going to listen to the podcasts. I'm going to do all those free classes. And I did it. And yet I was still wondering what the heck is going on? Why am I, why am I still stuck? Why is nothing working? And it wasn't until I realized that I really needed to have skin in the game. I needed to have accountability. I needed somebody pushing me and keeping me honest with myself in making those tough choices. And ultimately ensuring that the choices that I was making were best for me. Because what I realized was that my kids were living in, you know, a home with two parents, but in a home where all we did was fight, we were not happy. Um, and what I came to realize was that it was better for my children to have two homes that were happy instead of one that was not happy. And again, it was something that I built a team for myself to help me get to that point because you don't see it. You've got the, the lenses are so fogged up. You're juggling so many different things, not just your emotions, but legal and financial and custody and two homes. And, and I mean, there's so many other things sure. associated with divorce. And so it, it's something that, you know, it took me, it took me time. It took me about a year to get there. And it took a year with a team. And when you mentioned, you know, that journey and, and that experience taking you a year and really the importance of having accountability and really great people around you when you went through the divorce process, but I would imagine, and let's transition to post-divorce life. I would imagine the same is true for people who are newly divorced. You know, I find that so many of my clients, you know, think that they get a signed piece of paper, the judgment of divorce is back, and they're free, that they yeah. don't have to speak to their ex, or they don't have to communicate with their ex, or the high conflict nature of their relationship that they had during their marriage, they had during the divorce, that magically, it just all goes away. And so I want to ask you, the people that you work with who are newly divorced, mm -hmm. 
Tell us the benefit to working with a divorce coach, working with someone to help navigate the challenges that it's not a question of will they come up? It's a question of when they will come up in post-divorce life. Exactly. And yeah, I mean, my specialty is really working with people who are, you know, in the middle towards the end um, and, and also on the other side. And the benefit to working with somebody or, or having support from somebody who has, who is on that side and has been through it is that they know everything that you're going through. You know, I may not have had the same circumstances as, you know, any of my clients, but it doesn't matter. It's because the same triggers, the same emotions come up and they come up at different times. You know, it was interesting because with, even with what you just said, I said it and I hear my clients say it all the time. Well, I just, you know, when that paper is signed, I'm going to, it's all going to be fine. I'm going to be, I'm going to be fine once the paper is signed and, you know, truth bomb to all your listeners. It's not, I have a client who just literally last weekend, her paperwork got filed and all of a sudden she is like overwhelmed again with all these emotions that are surfacing and, you know, so many times we think that these are setbacks or that something's wrong with us, or, you know, I know I don't want to be with them. Why do I feel this way? And we don't give ourselves permission to feel what comes up. Instead, what we do on autopilot is we get into judgment mode. And when we start judging ourselves, that's when we start getting into kind of that, that spiral of, of being stuck and you're in the drain. You're just never going to get out. And having a divorce coach, it's, you know, it's almost like somebody's like got their hand like down to you and saying like, just grab it and I will pull you out. Everybody's pullout is going to look different, but having the necessary tools is really important. And it's not something that you can go listen to a podcast take a tip and then go out in the world and do it. it. It's about understanding what the tips are and being in practice and having somebody there with you to guide you through the emotion. You know, we think that we're never going to, you know, we think that we're going to spiral into this emotional abyss and never get out. So people tend to pause the emotions that are coming up or they'll pause it because they start going, why are you doing this? Stop crying, stop being, you know, and then you cut it off. But then what happens is you, you compress the emotions behind it. And so having somebody there who's really able to give you the space to enable you to vent, to enable you to work through what is really going on. Cause it's not just anger. It's not just sadness. There's deeper emotions that are there. And if you don't have somebody helping you to kind of dig through, and this is not friends or family. Okay. I love that people have friends and family. I had amazing friends and family. They keep you stuck. Why? Because they, they're the ones saying, oh, you're better off without him or her. Oh, you're going to find somebody who's going to treat you better. You deserve better. And you're in this place of like, I can't even think about, like, I don't, I can't even get out of bed without crying. So, you know, even after divorce, you know, the, the paperwork gets signed. And so it's really about making sure that you have somebody who can empathize, who has been in your shoes, because typically friends and family, it's discomfort. So they're just projecting, you know, their own discomfort and not coming from a place of, of true experience. I mean, I, I, what I say I have done, I walk the walk, I talk the talk, I've done it and I continue to do it for, for all of my clients. 
And Wendy, you, you know, when you mentioned, you know, friends and family and, you know, getting the advice, but really from the right people as a divorce attorney, I get that all the time. You know, I have, yeah. I have clients who reach out and they'll say, Evan, you know, my, my trainer, you know, thinks my divorce should be over. And in my mind, look, you filed for divorce three weeks ago. You know, what does your trainer know? And I think you need, it's, it's incredibly important to surround yourself with people who have been there, people who have experienced, you know, maybe not exactly what you've gone through, but, but the process and who, you know, someone who has, you know, learned different lessons, who, you know, has the tools and has the resources to really guide someone, hold someone accountable and help someone navigate not only the divorce process, but also life after divorce. And Wendy, you mentioned some of the things that people, you know, struggle with after their divorce, the judgment is signed. And I want to get into a few of the topics that I see when clients come into my office, sit across from me, and we're dealing with post-judgment divorce issues. And the first is co-parenting. And I get so many questions from clients, you know, of mine who come into my office and they're struggling to deal with their ex and they're struggling to co-parent. Someone's dropping the kids off late. Someone's not communicative or responsive, whether that's through text message, email, or an app. What do you see in your work as the biggest challenges that come up for people trying to co-parent after their divorce? Yeah, that's a great question. And one I get all the time, so much so that I'm actually in the, I just started and launched a co-parenting workshop this month um, that, you know, I extended and made a four week because there are so many elements that go into co-parenting that we don't necessarily realize. And the biggest piece of what I teach as it relates to co-parenting has to do with shifting your mind from wife or husband to mom and dad, mom or dad. So a lot of times when we are co-parenting, we tend to co-parent from the lens of wife or husband versus it's really about co-parenting should be called kid-centered communication, (laughs) right? It's really what it should be. And what we forget is we fault, well, we forget that it's about the kids and we also don't tend to allow ourselves the opportunity to create a new relationship with this person, with the parent of your child. And what we do instead, because we've been doing it for how many years, you default into old ways of being, which have to do with the hat that you were carrying as wife or husband. And so the biggest piece that I work on with my clients is really creating not just who you are as you know an individual, but also working on who you are now as mom in a separated or divorced relationship. And it's very different than wife. You know, I see so many clients who, you know, the language that they use, it's also about paying attention to the language. You know, so many times you, again, get back into old habits of finger pointing, assuming the other person should know, you know, and, and one of the things I always say to my clients is, well, you're getting mad at them for not doing something. Did they do it while you were married? And every time they say, well, yeah, no. Well, then what do you expect is going to change? <laughs> well, and, and I want to ask you about that because I, I feel like, again, people you get a signed piece of paper. You expect people to just change now that yeah. you have that signed paper. And even when yeah. clients 
you know, work with me in the divorce process, you know, sometimes clients are shocked that their husband or their wife or their partner is not acting different during the process. And and I'll say to people, look, you were married for 17 years. Your spouse is not going to be better during the divorce process. If anything, things are only going to escalate. And at times things are going to get worse. And I'm sure you see that even after, you know, people are divorced. I do. You know, it's really interesting because, you know, I'm really fascinated. I love the work that I do because I'm so fascinated at how there's just this through line and it manifests for everybody very differently. And what I also don't think people understand is that they just expect things to change overnight and it doesn't work that way. You know, I say you've been married, you know, I was married for 15 years. My ex and I were together for 22 I was, I mean, at the time, I wish I could have, you know, popped a pill that would have made everything go away. But, you know, when you don't put in the work to actually change, you can't change other people, but you do have the ability to change yourself. And what I also get from other, from that, you know, a lot of times I hear from people, they'll say, well, you know, my ex is the one that needs this class, not me. And my response to that is always, well, but if one of you shifts, just one of you, you're actually going to start noticing a change in the dynamic. Now, I know that because I'm proof of that. You know, my ex-husband is, he has not changed. He is still the same person. And it wasn't until I realized that I had the power to change how I interacted with him that once I made that shift and got the coaching to learn, got the language to learn how to communicate with him because I knew I was a different person in his eyes and he was in mine that I was able to actually, I shifted our relationship. And it wasn't until about a year and a half ago that we actually started becoming really good friends. And I think that so many of us want so badly to either be friends, or we think that if it's this way, it's going to be this way forever. It's not. It's just that you have to focus on the now and what works now, what is best for your kids now instead of worrying about five years down the road, oh my God, are we still going to be fighting? Are we this? Are we that? You just get to focus on what you can control today. And that's you. You can control your own behaviors, your actions, your feelings, your thoughts. You can't control theirs. And so a lot of the the work that I use, I do a lot of role-playing because until you start practicing saying the language for yourself, it's not going to stick and you're not going to change. That's why doing it by yourself typically doesn't work. It's absolutely brilliant. And you use the word work and it is work. And in many ways, mm-hmm. the work just begins. You know, it's, it's work, yes. it's a, but it's a different type of work than the work you're going to put into your marriage and your relationship and working with a couple's therapist and counselor. And it's different than the work that you're going to do with your divorce attorney when yes. you're going through the divorce process. But it's work and in many ways it's the hardest work, especially when you have young kids and you're trying to, you know, figure out, you know, the co-parenting relationship and dynamics and how to navigate all of that. Yeah. And I mean, what I'll also tell you about that is, you know, you forget that your, you know, your kids are watching, they're watching and they're listening and the work that you do on yourself actually has a ripple effect to your children. And in fact, the work I do 
I teach my clients how to take what they're learning for themselves and to empower their children. Because a lot of times what I also hear in co-parenting situations is that, you know, the kids are not heard or they don't feel that the other parent cares um, about their feelings or, you know, they're afraid that their kids are not getting the attention that they should be receiving. And one of the things that I teach my clients, one of the things that I preach about all the time is that by doing the work, it's not just for you. You're doing it so that you can also teach your kids how to stand in their power. I mean, candidly, that's one of probably one of my proudest accomplishments post marriage is really teaching my kids how to name their feelings, how to own them, how to be okay when their feelings are different than somebody else's and the language that they get to use when somebody else disagrees with them, you know, and, and understand that their father does not necessarily hear them. And a lot of my clients' parents don't hear the kids. But what we do is we project our own emotions into the situation where I teach my clients how to separate. You've got to separate your adult feelings from your kids. Your kids can feel disappointed and you get to stand there and hold space and build a relationship with your kids around how it is that they're feeling and then empower them to communicate. And you do that through role-playing even with them. So, you know, it's, it sounds, it's honestly, it's not hard. It's just that it takes, it takes the right person to, to teach you and it takes consistent action. And if you're not not in consistent action, nothing's going to change. Listening to you and and hearing you describe that and and your advice and how you work with clients, and we're going to put a link to you know, your website and the show notes, you know, where people can get all the resources and information on all your programs, because it's invaluable. And you're right. It's not that it's necessarily hard, but it's work. It requires communication, but people lack or don't have the script or the playbook or believe that things should just magically fall into place. And I know I find that, you know, working with a team of professionals and someone to guide, you know, a client of mine, you know, through that process is so incredibly important. Yeah. Well, and if I can say one other thing, I mean, you know, what I always say to people is what is it costing you not doing the work, right? What, where else in your life are you paying the price for not doing the work? And I guarantee you that everybody listening is probably thinking about, oh God, I'm so less efficient at work. My relationship with my kids really sucks. I snap at them all the time. My ex-husband and I fight all the, or my ex-wife, you know, we fight all the time. You know, maybe there's judgment coming from friends or you're isolating yourself because you're afraid to, you know, there's, there's so many costs that you're paying the price for. And, you know, it takes, it takes work. It takes time. And if you put it in, it's going to come back tenfold. I mean, my boys are two of the most amazing human beings and I take a lot of credit for where they are. You know, my son has gone on, you know, he's, he's come into my private Facebook group before and done a video with me telling everybody how like, yeah, at first he was not really excited about this whole divorce thing, but he's like, I have two rooms. I have two houses. I get double the parties. I get double the presents (laughs) and my mom's happier. My dad's happier. And it's, I live in two happy homes now, you know? And so 
again, it's like, I try to paint the picture of what's on the other side because it is possible for everyone. I am no different than anyone. The difference is, is I asked for help. I asked for help, even though I thought it was a weakness, it was the strongest thing, the strongest decision I ever made was asking for help. And I was the one that was like, no, strength comes doing it by yourself. And it doesn't. Community and a team is what gets you to the finish line. Do you think people that train for the Olympics do it by themselves? No, they don't. They have a very extensive team. And it's the same type of process when you're going through divorce. It's a marathon. It's like you're training for the Olympics. That is incredibly powerful. I feel like I want to take that clip and just, you know, play it over and over because, you know, hearing the story, you know, about, you know, you and your son joining your Facebook group, look, kids are smart, they're perceptive, you know, they see the dynamic between their parents and, you know, the affection between the two of you and and, and kids Mm -hmm. are happier, they are healthier when they see their parents also happy. And Wendy, I want to shift gears and I want to ask you about another topic that I see in my practice all the time, and I'm sure you do as well. And that's the topic of post-divorce dating. What makes it so hard for people after a breakup to get back out there? How do you work with the clients to encourage people to date while at the same time balancing, wanting to be back out there, you know, and also healing from divorce? Yeah, this is such a great question. I actually, I just wrote a response uh, in an article that's going to be posted having to do with this. So, you know, I have sort of an interesting take on post-divorce dating and, you know, first and foremost, people shouldn't go out and date just because they're lonely. They should not go out if they have not done the work, if they have not rediscovered who they are, because until you do that, you don't know what it is that you want. You're going to fall back into the same pattern. You're going to choose the same person and you're not going to see it because you're just, you're so, you know, most of us get lonely and we want that companionship, especially if you've been married for so long. And what I always say is that, you know, you get to date yourself. I got to date myself for like two and a half years and it was the greatest relationship I ever created. (laughs) I can imagine. Tell us about that because I'm fascinated because, you know, for, for years when you're married and you're going through the divorce process, finding time for yourself that had to be I mean, incredibly, exist. it didn't exist. I was going to say incredibly difficult, but yeah. you're right. It probably didn't exist. No, I mean, I, I joke, but it's the truth. The only time I ever got to myself when I was married with kids is if I was in the shower. And that's because I was a female living with three boys, right? three men. <laughs> so I, you know, I had to physically leave my house to even have a second to myself. And so when I decided to get divorced and, you know, my ex-husband and I decided to share custody, all of a sudden I had all this free time. And at first it was, I mean, I cried. It was awful. I felt like someone ripped out my heart, stepped on it. And I didn't know what to do with myself also because I did everything. Yes. I worked full time and I was also the primary caregiver of our, of our boys. And when they weren't with me, I was like, Oh my God, I don't even, I didn't know what I, I like, what my favorite foods were. I remember somebody asked me, they're like, Oh, it's your birthday coming up. Like, let's, we want to take you out to your favorite restaurant. I was like, I don't even know what that is. And so it was that, like, this is what I'm saying is that we don't, we don't know ourselves outside of the union that we're a part of. So many of us, I'm not saying everybody, but you know, the majority of the women that I work with, 
that's where we come from. And so I, I forced myself to do things that were really uncomfortable. Things like going to a restaurant. This was before COVID, obviously going to a restaurant, sitting at a bar and, and forcing myself to engage with other people, even the bartender, not because I was hitting on somebody, but just because it was like, I had to be uncomfortable in order for me to grow. I went to the movies by myself. I started reaching out to different singles groups and I reconnected with, you know, some friends that I used to work with who I knew were still single to just kind of get myself out there. And it was it felt so awful. I felt like nauseous and, you know, but I have to tell you, it was the best choice that I did because all my friends were married. They all still are. I had to create a whole new community for myself. And it was through rediscovering myself through these other, these new connections and through just you know, reconnecting with the fact that like, I didn't go to movies for like a decade. And all of a sudden I was going back to the movies and going, oh my God, I totally love the movies. And then it was, oh my God, I totally forgot. I love this food. I never got to eat this food, you know, and you're not asking permission either, which is something that takes some getting used to. And so when I started treating myself to going on hikes, I I got a dog. I didn't have to ask anybody if I could get a dog. I got a dog. I... (laughs) sat at a bar and ate it, you know, and ate at a restaurant. I, you know, I would go out and do wine tasting. I would go up to, you know, I live in Southern California. I would drive up to wine country and just go, go by myself. I took vacations by myself. I started volunteering. I just kept myself busy, not because I was avoiding the emotions, I was keeping myself busy doing things that I forgot I loved to do. Things connecting with people. I, I I connected through my children. I wasn't connecting through Wendy or sure. being me. And that's what's so important about dating yourself. Because when you start dating the other, you know, the opposite sex or the same sex, whatever, if you start dating looking for a partner, I, I knew I wasn't ready. I knew I was just gonna fall back into the trap of of finding somebody just like I was married to and it didn't work. And I'll tell you that once I was ready, I knew I was ready, mainly because for me, it was more about, I knew who I was. I was confident in my own skin again. And it, for me, my take on dating again came from, well, I want to test drive her. I want to like take her out on the town and go on a date and be her with a total, not a total stranger, but you know, I use the dating apps and I decided like, I get to go out and be Wendy because I didn't, I'd never been her before out on a date. And slowly that got built my confidence up of not because I needed external validation. It was more just like, I wanted to date different kinds of guys. I wanted to see how, you know, did I like this about someone? Did I not? Did I have the courage to communicate to to not ghost somebody, but to verbally communicate this, I don't see this going anywhere, you know, and there's so much, there's so many good lessons when you start dating again, but it's not until you know who you are and you know what you want and you know what you don't want. Most importantly, I want to talk about the introduction of a significant other to your kids. And I can't tell you how much time and money, believe it or not, people spend 
fighting in court, litigating, that someone introduced an ex or someone introduced a significant other to their kids. And there's generally a process in a divorce agreement for how that happens, or if there isn't a process that's set forth in the agreement, there's certain language you discuss it with a parent coordinator, you discuss it with a third party, a mediator, and generally most people don't want to introduce a significant other to their kids unless the relationship is serious. Mm -hmm. So I want to ask you, what is your advice to someone who is looking to make an introduction to someone they're dating, to their kids, and what's the best way to go about that in terms of communicating it with the ex? Sure. So my point of view on this and and how I coach my clients around this is, is it's really about, you know, just because you're starting to date someone, it doesn't mean that they get to meet your kids. You know, I, I have only allowed two men to meet my kids and I have been single for four years. And so my advice is really around, unless you see an actual potential long-term relationship with this person, they should not meet your children. I feel very strongly about that because I, I have seen it not go that way. And I have seen the impact on the kids. I have seen the impact on the other parent and on the potential, you know, new potential, new, you know, girlfriend or boyfriend, you know, kids are resilient Yes. And kids also don't understand, you know, dating and adult relationships and things like that. And, you know, if you want somebody to be around your children, they better have earned the right to know your children because, you know, I view my children as like, my children are my world. They are my life. They will always come first. And I am very crystal clear with people in my life that my boys will always come first. Now, if you're not willing to put them first and you, the other person is pressuring you, or, you know, you're feeling this need of, you know, having this whole, you know, new family dynamic be created are you really putting your kids in the center? Are you putting your kids in, you know, not even thinking about them? One of the things I also recommend is I had a conversation with my boys. You know, they, I told them when I was starting to date again, I explained to them that, you know, their dad and I were divorced and it had been enough time and that I was starting to go out on dates. Now, I didn't tell them immediately when I started going out on dates I actually went on dates when I didn't have my children and the time that I had them, I was with them. And it wasn't until I actually started meeting somebody that I liked that I thought potentially might meet my sons that I notified my kids that I was going to start, you know, going out on dates. And so including them in the process, not where it's like, come meet, you know, or like, look at the dating profile, but it was like, I wanted to know how it made them feel. And they had gotten to the point where, you know, they were comfortable by that point. They're like, mommy, we just want you to happy. You know, we want you to find somebody. And then they would sometimes ask details. And I just, I don't, I still, to this day, don't talk to my kids about my relationship, (laughs) but, you know, and at the same time, I also asked them like, 
when would you want to meet somebody? Because they had a very different experience with their dad. And so I think because of that experience that, that they had with their father, you know, it was a much more rushed process and, and it was not a collaborative, it wasn't a collaborative venture between him and I about him introducing his now wife and, and, and the path that he chose. And again, I couldn't control him. I just got to hold space for my kids' feelings. But then when it came to me, I got to see, okay, not definitely not going to do it this way. And I'm not saying I'm perfect. I'm not saying everything I said and did was right the first time. But what I do know to be true is that you know your kids. And if you have open communication with them, you'll know if and when they're ready. My boys met, they met my prior boyfriend. We were together about a year and a half. And, you know, they were sad when we broke up, you know, but they also are at an age where they understand that like, you know, I also want them to see like, you don't just, I didn't want them to think that like you date, you get married. Like, you know, it it was one of those things too, where like, for me, it it was a lesson that I got to teach my boys, but until you really know that somebody's going to be in your life for, you know, you see potential, you shouldn't introduce them to your kids because it's too much change for them. And, but as they get older, they also get more resilient in terms of, you know, when they want to meet someone, like they met my boyfriend now, they met him a lot faster than they met my last boyfriend. And that was because they were like, we want to meet him. We want to go out. It's so exciting. You're so happy. Like, you know, and And I'm sure that was great to hear from them, you know, that they saw you, you know, how happy you were and that had to, you know, be just such an incredible feeling for you. No, it was, I mean, you know, they, they mean, I said it, like they are my world. Those two boys are my everything. I love them more than anything. Now that's not to say that, you know, I don't know when to prioritize my boyfriend or, you know, other people in my life, but all of my decisions, they are included in them. And that also comes into play on, you know, who I choose to date, if I choose to get remarried, you know, where I choose to live, you know, who moves in, who doesn't move in, like their part, it's, it affects their world too. And I think a lot of times we forget that our choices impact other people and we don't necessarily think about that ripple effect. And so just having the foresight to know that it will impact your children. So you got to kind of have to think backwards a little bit on, you know, how much you share, when you share, but you also, you know, you should trust your gut and you should, again, look to people who have been through this before and have experience and, you know, know the do's and don'ts. And, you know, candidly, I saw the opposite of what I wanted to have happen. And so I got to learn from, from that personally. Wendy, as we finish up in the Shine Up podcast, you mentioned the do's and don'ts, knowing what to ask, what to say, and what not to. I want to ask you about knowing that in many ways you're stuck and you're tied with someone in a co-parenting relationship, even when the judgment of divorce is signed. What advice would you give someone in terms of are there battles that are just not worth fighting about during the divorce process? Are there certain things to whether it's let go or not, make such a big deal about during the process, knowing you're going to be tied to someone, you're going to need to reach out with favors, you're going to need someone to be flexible for several years in a co-parenting relationship. Yeah, it's interesting. I I just taught on this last week in my co-parenting class. So 
you know, what I always say is that you do have to pick your battles and you better pick them wisely because you're going to have to fall on the sword in that battle. You know, the way that I, that I try to help and guide my clients into decide, making that decision is, you know, figuring out at the root, if you take the emotion out, what is really the issue at hand? And based on that issue, is there really a problem? And do you want to contribute to the problem or do you want to be a solution oriented human being? And a lot of times just by taking those couple of steps and, you know, I have a process that I teach to, you know, my clients, I'm teaching it in the class right now around really having those, knowing what questions to ask yourself to go, is this really a problem? And if so, who is it impacting or is it just, I'm pissed off about it? I don't like it. But in, in the end, the solution is not that big of a deal. You know, so it's, it's really getting clear on how important is this and are you contributing to the problem or is it, is falling on your sword going to help you to come up with a solution? But the, I have to tell you, this was a lot of fun the information. It was incredible. I want to thank you for coming on the Shine Up podcast. Tell all the listeners, where can people learn more, get in touch with you and become part of the great divorce rehab community and take advantage of all these wonderful programs and summits and courses that you mentioned? Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you for having me. Uh, the easiest way to find me is through my website, wendysterling.net. I have my private but free Facebook group. It's called The Divorce Rehab. As you also mentioned, I also I have a podcast, so you can also, I'd love for you guys to tune in. Evan will be a guest on mine um, as well. It's called The Divorce Woman's Guide Podcast. I also offer free calls um, because I think that you don't know what you need um, until you speak to somebody who's been through it. And so I offer support calls. You can schedule one with me, contactwendy.com. A lot of times I'm pointing people to other resources. I have a very incredible network of colleagues that I refer business because again, you don't know what you need when you've never been through this before. So I offer that up to everybody, to all of your listeners. And then I'm also on Instagram, Divorce Rehab with Wendy. So that's where you can find me. Nobody, and I mean, nobody should try to navigate post-divorce life without reaching out to you or, you know, participating in, in your incredible, you know, workshops and programs. They are Thank really you. tremendous. Thank you again for coming on. It was an absolute pleasure. Of course. Thank you for having me. Dave, what a show on the Shine Hub podcast episode. Number 17 in the books, Wendy Sterling. Wow taking her own story and the lessons that she learned and creating this incredible platform to help others navigate post-divorce life and all that comes with it. Thank you to the listeners on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, Google, and wherever else you listen to your podcast. Producer, David Yaz, the best in the business. Thank you as always. Thank you. 17 in the books and who knows how many more to come. You're still having fun, right, my friend? Oh, I'm having a blast. And Dave, we're just getting started <laughs> on the right. Shine On podcast. To all the listeners, you can follow me on LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and Clubhouse. You can send your emails and comments into the Shine On podcast email address, evan at shineondivorce.com. I'm Evan Shine, and we'll talk to you again real soon. <laughs>